I'm Mary O'Driscoll and welcome to the podcast series Climate Emerge Gen Z. I'll be looking at the challenges posed to the climate movement here in Edinburgh and around the world. I'm here to learn about and discuss the most important issues we face as we transition to a more sustainable society. In this episode, I speak to Ewan Batty, a Glasgow-based environmental management student. We discuss student environmentalism, incremental versus radical change, and the similarities between the COVID-19 pandemic and the climate crisis. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, like, super last minute. No problem. This has been a good opportunity for us to talk about these things anyway, even though... We probably have had conversations like this before. Might as well have it recorded. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so I'll just, for the sake of the, the listeners, the uh, five mm-hmm. listeners that we have, <laughs> I'll explain like, so me and you, we are friends, but we're also cousins and you have gallantly stepped in and you're willing to chat to us about being a student environmentalist, which is perfect. So. Ewing studies environmental management at university at Glasgow Caledonian, isn't it? Yep, that's correct. Yes. Okay, so is it all right if I just um, ask you to introduce yourself and yeah, say a bit about how you're connected to the climate movement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a final year student and I'm currently studying uh, a Bachelor's of Science in Environmental Management at Glasgow Caledonian University. Um, so I'm currently working away on my, my dissertation uh, as, as we speak. Um, so I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm quite connected with the, the climate movement um, as a whole and being a, a student, um, you, know, you know, studying um, the part of the climate and the, the environment as a whole. Wow, okay, that's awesome. Um, is it okay if I ask what your dissertation's on? I do know this, but other people won't. Are you allowed <laughs> yes, to talk about yes, it? That, is it that's secret? fine, yeah, that's all good. <laughs> yep, so um, my dissertation um, is actually sort of doing a, a feasibility study and investigation um, on the sort of decarbonisation potential of existing buildings and existing infrastructure um, surrounding the rail industry. Um, and looking at retrofitting potential uh, for these buildings and introducing green infrastructure and um, looking at recycling waste systems, rainwater collection, renewable energy potential and how these things can be introduced to, to buildings that already exist in our built environment today. Awesome. That just sounds to me like such an important dissertation. <laughs> like when I compare it to my degree in English literature, I'm like, wow, your your dissertation is actually like that could be so useful for the rail industry, right? That could actually have huge changes. Well, potentially, who knows? T- time will tell. Um, yeah. But, my, you know, my, my side of things is to, to do a little bit of digging, do some data collection. And I'd say that the the thing with my degree in general, and I guess being an environmental student doing what I'm doing, is it's about finding statistics and, and data and information and also people's opinions on certain subjects as well. Um, and providing that information, collating it, and then um, you know providing reports and things that are accessible for people to read. Um, you know, whether it be from an academic standpoint or if it's to you know businesses and organisations um, that you could be doing this work for. Because what I find in general is if you're giving 
statistics that they seem to be hard-hitting and people respond generally quite well so as long as you can contextualize the, those statistics and that data and um, then it can have a, a quite an impactful impactfulness of it all wow okay so your degree is that kind of bridging the gap between the science and the numbers and like the human element kind of combining yeah. the two yeah, I'd like to think so. I think that's where the difference between the sort of traditional environmental science degrees mm. and where mine comes in with environmental management. Um, mm. We work really closely with environmental scientists and part of one of the modules that we do is on environmental science. Mm. Um, and I think that the work that they do is incredible and much needed and I don't know where we'd be without them. Mm -hmm. uh, so so I've got a lot of respect for that. Um, but yeah, I think that is the, the sort of the bridging point where my degree comes in. Wow. Is the fact that, you know, we've got these statistics and the data and the information and what the environmental sciences are analysing. And especially when you're looking at things like uh, climatology and all the things that the, the sort of climate study investigations that are getting carried out just now. Mm. You know, it's sort of we look at that information and we try and look at how what we can do with that information, what it's meaning, you know, sort of critically analysing and reviewing that information mm. and how it can actually be implemented and, and what it means for the everyday person and, you know, sort of looking at the sort of the attitudes and what the barriers are and resistance mm. to change and such like and how the, the information that is out there and that the scientists and such like are producing, how that can actually be implemented into everyday day-to-day uh, -day activities and lifestyle and, and business choices and, and everything like that. It's sort of bringing the how can this actually be achieved how realistic is this and, and what does it mean for for me and you wow that is so important right now because yeah exactly what we need is practical solutions immediately as soon as possible to the environmental crisis so that Absolutely. sounds like a super important degree i have a newfound respect for that i didn't really i mean i knew you did environmental management but i wasn't sure exactly what that involved and so that's actually that's awesome that's so we'll important. need to get you enrolled then <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i'll be a, a keen student oh my goodness i don't know if i'm if i'm up to the task of that but you know never know you never know um okay so my second question for you really is just like on a personal level what do you think of when you hear the words climate change okay i think um climate change is just that term that phrase it it's been around for a very long time and i think it's a very important word and but i think the key thing is that to a lot of different people and a lot of people different organizations and depending on your age and different demographics and things i think the term climate change means a different thing to a lot of different people mm -hmm. i think over the years and how perhaps the media uses it and things it's sort of been lost as to what its clear definition is and what it's actually talking about mm. and I also think that given today's situation it doesn't do enough it doesn't say enough mm -hmm. and you know really draw attention to what's happening I think that's why the emergence of wording such as climate crisis and yep. climate emergency mm -hmm. say a lot more about the reality of the situation that we're in just now you know sure. that yes the climate is changing of course but what does that actually mean so, you know, saying climate change, change, you know, obviously change provides opportunities and there's positives and negatives to these things. But I don't mm. think climate change says enough. It just says something's changing. It doesn't alert people to the perhaps the seriousness of the situation. So I think the new emergence of climate crisis and climate emergency mm. um, that doesn't says a lot more for the situation that's actually happening at hand. 
Okay. No, that's really interesting because I was wondering, I have noticed like an increase in the use of like climate destruction, climate crisis, climate emergency. And I was wondering if that was just something that I happened to be encountering more just because of the circles I was now like mixing in. I was in more environmental circles. So maybe that was why. But to know that that's actually a term that's being brought into the mainstream instead of climate change is actually really good and I think you're right about the definition of climate change being a bit maybe a bit wishy-washy now because it's just like a broad I guess vague term that's used by so yeah. many different groups in the media and whatever. So. absolutely and it, it's also moving away from uh, and also the, the term global warming um, mm. was something used a, a lot as well and I think a little bit of it depends on the sort of when you're looking for, obviously I look at lots of um scientific reports and academic journals and things and it also the, the language that used depends on perhaps institution that's providing the research or the, the country that they're conducting the research in and such like I know that a lot of um, articles and things that come out of North America they they really tend to use the wording of global warming wow, and when still. they're talking about global warming it, it's climate change that tends to be what they're indicating towards mm. whereas global warming is just you know one of the sort of subsequences um, you know like a consequence and, and only a, a small part of the sort of the bigger the bigger issue and, and, and what's going on just now so I think it's important that you know I think people use them sort of interchangeably but they're very you know that they're, they're, they're connected but they're not the whole story so mm -hmm. I think that moving towards a sort of a climate crisis and, and that's the thing it, it's climate but it's also it, it's everything it's the environment as a whole mm. um, you know the, the, the whole very existence of everyone and everything is at threat and I, I think the, these terms such as climate change just doesn't do enough to to really show that yeah wow okay that's that's great to hear I, I love talking about the the nitty-gritty of the words the vocabulary we use that's really interesting um yeah global warming is I thought that was a term that was kind of fizzling out now. Is that your understanding or is it still used in North America like nowadays as well? Um, it's definitely something that is on the way out and it yeah. is something, well, it's something that's still discussed because obviously global warming is still very much something that exists. Mm. But I think people are now understanding that, you know, that global warming is very much, this is a very specific thing and it's not addressing the, the whole issue, mm -hmm. but it is part of it. Okay. Um, but I know that for myself growing up global warming was what we heard about and that was what was talked about and that's what sort of mm. got me interested in it in the first place but same again I mean uh, the global warming it doesn't outright you know if, if, if you've not really encountered it before or if you're you're growing up as a young child you might not really understand okay warming okay what does warming mean it's just heating up is this a good thing is this a bad thing mm. you know but that's why I think once again you know terms like crisis emergency mm. destruction yeah. You know, these are a lot stronger and immediately let everyone know the, you know, the reality of the situation we're living in. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, it's definitely important for me to be thinking and probably for you to be thinking about the language we use to convey the extremity of Absolutely. the issue with me, with Transition Edinburgh and like social media stuff. And then with you, with your career prospects, basically. And if you're bridging the gap between the science and the human element, you need to be really thinking about the language you're using to convey that. So that's cool, good to know. Okay, so if you could tell people about one thing that you've learned on your course that you've just got to share, what would you like to tell the world? Well, where to begin? Um, I mean, it's massive. I mean, this is me going into my, 
you know three and a half years of studying and things now mm. so it's it's always hard to pinpoint one exact thing and, course, the, and yeah. there's so much content and knowledge and things you've just sort of not necessarily it's covered from within my course but when I've been conducting my own research you know mm. for coursework and such like you come across but two of the most important things is that first of all it's very easy to look at what's happening right now and to have a sort of attitude that's like right we've gone past the point of no return we're doomed the world's ending you know there is you know and i i understand why a lot of people would be feeling that way and i you know i i totally get that but i think it's really important that for the sake of everybody you know those sort of thoughts that they're important to think that and it really drives how important and the sort of the time scale and the urgency of the matter at hand and mm. um, you know I think it's really important that we, we are aware of those feelings and those thoughts but that we can try and turn them into something positive and rather it being looking at it and like oh we've gone past the point of no return oh this is awful um, you know sort of fatalistic kind of view is go right this is really important really urgent and it's looking like you know we, we've gone past that point it's like well, okay well, if that's the thinking, then surely we should really be looking at what extra can we be doing? Or mm -hmm. is there a way that we can turn this around? Or at least can we reduce the impact we're having? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, th these sort of things. Um, and, you know, I think that's an important thing. And then I think the second thing would be that, you know, qu quite often th there's a lot of talk about, you know, the fact that these you know, those big corporations out there mm -hmm. that maybe, you know, they're responsible for a lot of the emissions um you know just now and i hear it a lot and when i'm talking to people you know and just when you're conducting research and things like that a lot of people are just saying like i've been told to to recycle to get an electric vehicle uh, mm -hmm. to reduce my carbon footprint you know and so on and then they're like but if these global corporations are still producing the largest amount of emissions you know what what difference can i have what as an individual what difference can i have what difference will it make you know yeah. these kind of conversations and i think that the most important thing is that there's always this debate between incremental and radical change. Mm -hmm. And I think the two things, yeah, okay, they're polar opposites, but I think they can work together. And the fact that humans, you know, human beings tend to be opposed to radical change. Mm -hmm. um, there's always issues with, with radical change, um, which is understandable. And mm -hmm. the world's going through radical change just now. And a lot of us, we don't know how to deal with that. We don't know how to process that. So I think if you break things down into smaller, more manageable pieces and look at the way that incremental changes, you know, they, they can work together to help create a more radical change, you know, on a step by step basis. And there, there is the issue and in, in the, the timing and the time scale that people are saying, right, we, we've missed the chance for incremental change. You know, we need radical change and we need it now. Mm. Of course, that's very much there. But I think if we all work together doing incremental changes and by a sort of domino effect, if we all make small lifestyle changes, mm. um, you know, that can work together to create a much bigger picture, mm. um, you know. But yes, of course, there are the duty and there is responsibilities for, you know, these big organisations out there. That's on them. But I think it's sort of, a, you know, we, we've got responsibilities as human beings yeah. um, that, you know, we, we do have our own carbon footprints. We do make mm. lifestyle choices and decisions every day and if we make small changes to you know look at our our sustainability and our, our consumption rates and such like then that will make a bigger change down the line mm. um and i think it's important we don't lose sight of the importance of small incremental changes because yeah. if we all work together i mean there's billions of us here you know mm. um surely if we all make small changes that can make a, a big difference at the end of the day
yeah something else that i think about that is the more incremental the more people who are are on board with incremental changes and the more people who are making those changes the less radical it's gonna seem like the radical changes aren't aren't gonna seem as radical you know what i mean because everyone will already be on board with like okay we need to be acting on this so it won't seem like a rad as radical a change definitely and i also think that there's quite often and when I mean, quite a lot of what my degree is looking at is the sort of the, the policy, the regulations, the mm. guidelines and things, especially that the governments are producing to actually, you know, we get all this information, um, you know, from the United Nations and IPCC reports and such like. Mm. Um, and it's like, OK, how can we actually implement that? How can we change that? What can we do? And quite a lot of it is when you when you look at what, you know, some governments are, are suggesting mm. and things like that, they, they will have over ambitious, perhaps unrealistic targets. Okay. and. I know that gets a lot of criticism and often you know, and people can be talking about maybe even sort of going down the green the greenwashing kind of route and such mm. like but i think it's important that if you know especially governments um mm. if they aim high and then fall short at least it's still a massive jump uh, instead of just going right we're going to have some incremental change and then that doesn't even happen so mm. if you aim for radical change then you, at least you're going to get the incremental change and if yeah. all the different governments work together and make small steps, then you're leading towards that more radical change as well. True. Yeah. I think something that I've realized over the last couple of months is how important it is to have grassroots action, because I think for a long time, I kind of was buying into that. Well, the big corporations need to sort themselves out and I would have a few individual actions that I'd be doing, you know, my recycling, eating vegetarian, whatever. But then ultimately I was blaming them and obviously I I do still blame them, but seeing the work that Transition Edinburgh is doing and all the kind of grassroots projects like around Edinburgh and Scotland, there's no way that's not making an impact. And it's like things can expand from the ground up rather than it being the other way around. Like it's it's probably not going to start at the top and trickle down. It's going to have to be the opposite way around, like projects that start on the ground. will definitely I think, you know, grassroots and, and activism and everything it is so so vitally important especially mm. when dealing with the topic of of this scale of this size that, that affects everybody and mm. um, you know absolutely and yes system change is needed but we're all part of this system as well mm. and you know we've got to play our parts in helping facilitate that system change mm-hmm. and you know at the, at the end of the day you know the, these massive organizations or, or governments or whoever it is that's responsible for us or has a responsibility to do better you know we are part of that mm. and and these organizations exist and represent us mm. because you know at the end of the day we're perhaps the consumers and it's our needs that are being met by mm. these organizations and in essence they're they're trying to work for us but at the end of the day, I think people need to remember that there's these big organizations and companies out there, but like they exist because they exist because of us mm. and, and what we need and what we want and what we use. Mm. So if we can begin making those small incremental changes, then that will be reflected by these large businesses and organizations and governments. And they'll look at that and see that mm. there is a change in our attitudes and our behaviors and our habits. Yeah. And it will be changed to, to reflect that true it kind of fills me with hope to think that we do actually have a a fair amount of power collectively if we're all acting based on our morals or with the climate issue in mind absolutely we we have a bit of power which is is nice to think about um okay so my next question for you is 
How do you feel about intersectionality in the climate movement amongst student populations and how can we improve this? I think intersectionality is absolutely vital importance, especially within the environmental movement, mm. um, you know, and the, the climate movement and everything mm-hmm. um, and, and everything we do. Um, it's important to think of it in that sort of, you know, a, a very holistic way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's all at the end of the day, what we were just saying there, even about grassroots and working together and, you know, mm-hmm. it has to be everyone. No one can be excluded from this. And mm-hmm. um, we all have to work together. And I think when you look at a lot of what's going on just now, you know, if you're looking at, especially if you're looking at, you know, emergencies and, and disasters and, and natural disasters and such like, mm. um, when you look at the, uh, you know, the, the people that are being um, gr- most greatly affected and greatly impacted by climate change mm. and, and by everything that's going on just now, it does always happen. It always seems to be to minorities in any aspect. So it, it, it's vitally important that, everybody is aware of that and mm. i think that's a big thing is about the awareness and bringing that to the attention of people even when we look at things like what's happening now with with the rise of covid19 you know there, there's so much which you know there, there's so much things happening and it it's so important that everyone is aware of of what's happening who this is happening to mm. how people are proportionately or unproportionately represented mm. or impacted and things and i think that what's happening just now and definitely from from a student point of view and things is it's about actually just discussing that and looking at it and going look look at how wrong this is Mm. you know and I think it's those kind of discussions and for for me and the term intersectionality as a whole is something that I'm new to and it's not being discussed at you know at the the higher levels and it's something that needs to be But I think as we begin discussing it and begin making people aware of what's happening, that can only be a good thing and mm. can only raise more attention to the subject. So, yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot more needs to be done. But mm. I think that starts with just awareness of it and understanding of it and defining it. Mm. Um, and I think once those things have been achieved, then people will, will begin talking about it more it'll be more discussed and then that can be included in the sort of, you know, the, the, the grassroots campaigning and such like that's going on just now mm-hmm. and make this one of the most important things that's being discussed too. And, you know, really, really lobby and put pressure on, on those with greater power and responsibilities mm-hmm. um, to, to make sure that that is heard and acknowledged. Absolutely. Um, but yes, there's with everything, there's a lot more that could be done. Mm-hmm. But I, I hope that starts with people just having discussions as well. Yeah. OK, so so do you feel that the way to improve intersectionality within the climate movement, the best way for that is awareness raising, like having conversations that branch over different um, societal boundaries. So obviously we've got like class boundaries and then different ethnic groups, racial groups and different groups in society who are like minorities and sometimes excluded from the conversation. So the best way to start that is just is it kind of just having the conversation, awareness raising as much as possible to as many groups as possible? And then that's the way we can kind of include them in the conversation more. I mean, it's it's definitely very important. But at the same time, I know a lot of people be like, right, you know, this whole we're just chatting, we're discussing things, we're mm. raising awareness. But come on, you know, we've we've got we've got a climate crisis on our hands here mm-hmm. and things. 
um, you know, I, I totally understand that. Um, but I think yeah. it's important and also just representation as a yeah. whole yeah. across all boards, all categories, everywhere, everyone, you know, mm. um, getting everyone represented and feeling empowered and that everyone has a choice and everyone can make a difference. Yeah. Um, is really, really important. Um, yeah. I guess we want everyone... And start with that. Yeah. I suppose we want everyone to feel like that this is their struggle like it's not just a this is a collective thing that's going to affect everyone absolutely so, you know we're, we're talking yeah. about the the world earth here the mm. environment you know it's everyone everything and everybody in it mm-hmm. um you know and it, it's really important and also for those that are feeling most unproportionately impacted and affected mm. by the the changes that we are seeing to our environment and to our climate mm-hmm. um to know that you know everyone is aware that this is happening and what we can do to help improve that and not just let people feel like they're on their own with this and that they're just you know oh it's for them to deal with you know we don't need to worry about this kind of thing mm. um you know get rid of that whole attitude completely yeah. um because you know that's really damaging and if we don't all work together um you know we, we don't want to be you know, fighting within ourselves, um, we all need to work collectively together to help to help reach the the, the goals that we we set for ourselves and that need to be met for yeah. for survival essentially. Yeah, yeah, it's such a tricky one because obviously people are dealing with so many issues right now with COVID nineteen, like the financial struggles that so many people are having at the moment, unemployment and everything, and it's like it's really hard to make this seem like an urgent problem because there are so many people who just have other things on their mind and on their plate right now. And Definitely. so it's, because yeah, I feel I, like, sorry. No, no, carry on, carry on. No, I, I just, I feel like in, inevitably it's people who are in positions of privilege. I mean, mainly economically right now, I suppose, but they're the ones who kind of in a way should be working on this more because they have the, the resources the free time whatever but then it's like we want everyone's voices included in this and that means engaging people who currently have a lot more or generally have a lot more on their plate that they're dealing with and it's like how do we how do we make that happen I don't definitely know. definitely no I know a lot of it and and with dealing with things you know whether it's environmentalism uh, you know covid racism whatever it is is looking at the importance of using privilege mm-hmm. and, and how to use that privilege and mm-hmm. the appropriate way in which you can do that. And the fact that people can even d- d- discuss these things shows that, yes, there is privilege that exists there. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, how do, how do I use privilege? You know, mm-hmm. conversations like that. So many people can't do that. And the mm-hmm. fact that there's the ability to do that, then that says something. True. Um, and yes, does show inequalities massively, of course. Mm-hmm. But it is. It's about how to use that privilege mm-hmm. uh, most responsibly. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think with what you were saying there about, about COVID-19 as well, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that that's shown is, you know, at first people weren't so aware of what was going on and, you know, Mm-hmm. hearing small things and maybe the media picking up information and, and such like and mm-hmm. at the beginning maybe a lot of people dismissing you know the the seriousness perhaps or the urgency of True. what we were facing with the outbreak and the mm-hmm. pandemic and I think now that people are, are physically seeing things or hearing things of the impact of it people are are ready to make that change and you know completely change lifestyles and behaviors and yeah. The way we live our everyday lives has been 
completely changed and, and turned upside down. Yeah. And, you know, maybe some sacrifices that people are making to make a difference, to ensure the safety of everybody else. Yeah. And I think the sort of learnings that we can take from this will should help us um, mm -hmm. deal with the climate emergency. Inevitably, COVID-19 is linked within our environment and the climate crisis mm -hmm. that we're facing. And I think if we can take some of the, the learnings from this and mm -hmm. how, the, the you know, and really showing, uh, one thing it brings awareness to is the how connected, the connectivity of the world and how we're all connected to each other, mm. you know, and how we're all interlinked. And we're all facing the same immediate issue right now True. of the COVID-19 outbreak. Yeah. And that sort of global response, I think this is a real almost test and the way in which we respond and how we deal with things and the looking at the ways in which we need to be doing better and um, yeah. to deal with things like this because there are there's absolute parallels between COVID-19 and the climate crisis and I think it's really important that we we look at how we're dealing with these things just now and how that can better prepare us for the future as well you know about people maybe being resistant to change at mm -hmm. first when there's not that much knowledge of this new virus you know mm. and people dismissing it or thinking it's not their problem or that it's affecting another part of the world mm. and there's so much similarities between that type of thinking and that attitude mm. with the climate crisis wow. and I think the yeah. the more information that everyone got about COVID-19 the more awareness there was the more scientific data and then governments listening to scientific data and mm -hmm. then governments and and people and organizations and individuals you know, setting good examples yeah. and best practices, then we began to improve our situation and deal with that and face the reality in that we're, we're currently living in a different world from that we were, you know, a few months, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that has come about because we've got better understanding of what's going on. And I think it really shows the importance of if we educate, if mm -hmm. people educate themselves, or if people are educated or are made aware, especially through grassroots activism and such like, and you know, external reading and you know, really looking at scientific data as well to back things up. You know, if people do that and are aware of things, it can make a massive difference in how we respond to things and how we how we deal with things and how we can change our behaviours. And I think this is really the COVID nineteen um, pandemic has shown that small individual changes or behavior changes or the actions of one person mm. uh, really makes a massive difference to everybody to everyone to the whole world yeah. so you know you i think we've got to take these key learnings and take this moment just now to really appreciate and understand that and i think there's a lot of things we can learn from this and take forward um you know as we progress and hopefully you know emerge um from from this pandemic Wow. Yeah, I really love that point, actually, um, looking at the parallels between the COVID-19 situation and education on it, and then the climate emergency and awareness raising of that. That's so interesting and so important right now. And I guess a kind of a positive that we can take from this awful Definitely, year yeah. is yeah. that. So, wow, I love that. I hadn't thought of it that way before, but I love that analogy. I love that as an idea. Okay, um, now, how has being a university student environmentalist impacted your perception of climate change and the climate movement? So, for example, when I was at university, I definitely felt like I felt like there was a collective anxiety about it. I The uni I went to was especially 
kind of environmentally minded so I don't know if that's part of it but lots of people were talking about it and interested in it and that kind of made me feel like I've got a community here who are also worried and want to act but then also it's kind of you're getting yourself anxious and worried about it all together so I don't know I'm just wondering what your experience has been like I mean, definitely. It's, it is interesting and definitely within, you know, student group and younger people mm. in general. Mm. And you are going to have similar interests and, and similar thoughts and similar views, you know, just maybe it's demographically or studying at the same university and, and such mm. like. And yes, it is. Of course, it's, it is nice, like you're saying, you know, having that sort of feeling of, of togetherness and collectedness and, and such like. And whether and it's just having the opportunity and platform to discuss openly with friends, colleagues, classmates um, about how you're feeling about the situation massively mm. helps. But like you're saying at the same time, you know, f- feeling anxious towards what's going on. Mm. Um, you know, you can look at that either way. You, you know, you can you can look at it that you're you know like you're saying you're you're anxious together, and maybe <laughs> it's that feeling of collective kind of kind of dread and and mm. that you know you're, this isn't this isn't going to happen and we're, we're you know, doomed and th- th- those sort of feelings. Mm. Or, or you can look at it in the fact that you're all feeling that same anxiousness and that same sense of urgency. Yeah. So, you know, you sort of support each other, work together, come up with ideas, come up with solutions and make maybe collective goals and collective changes uh, together um, that can, you know, help uh, improve the situation and, and make a greater impact. You, you know, that's definitely there. I mean... You know, being a student environmentalist, it's. I think one of the important things to remember is that when you're discussing things and talking about things, whether it's whether it's with friends through you know, you know, university or colleges or schools and such like, or when you're discussing things at maybe events or with like-minded people and such like, it it can feel easy to to remember that quite often you're sort of doing the whole kind of preaching to the converted mm, type idea true and yeah. it's good it's good to hear you know the these responses and, and positive feedback and such like and people sharing mm. the same ideas but at the same time it's important to remember that it's not necessarily the most realistic environment to be discussing these things within mm-hmm. um and that you know you, you can come up with these wonderful ideas um and, and concepts and, and collect together and everyone be on board with it but when you go out there and you're pitching things to to organizations or, or you know corporations or even mm. just you know if it, it's a part-time job or whenever you change the setting in which you've discussed things in you're immediately faced with resistance to change or conflict of interest or different ideas and opinions and i think that's mm. so important to have that of course definitely mm. and it sort of makes you think that you know um okay i didn't see that was as much of an important thing and i didn't you know i didn't actually think of that consequence and you know and at the same time, it all comes a lot of it comes back to funding and finance and economics and things. Mm-hmm. You know, we can mm-hmm. we can have these ideas and these suggestions, and you pitch them to a company and you say, "I don't have the money for that." Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's things like that. You're you're always going to come into these things. So I think it's it's important that when you're having these discussions and ideas and such like with you know fellow environmentalists or, or you know student environments and things that you you mm-hmm. take that information and that learning and the outcomes from those discussions. And you put them into another 
environment, another setting and discuss them with other people. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's really important to happen. And then you take on board everyone else's ideas yeah. and, and work together for collective goals. And that goes back to the sort of intersectionality of it all mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, it's important to have everybody talking, everyone represented mm -hmm. um, and have these discussions. So, of course, there are there, there are different sides to things. But I think that the most important thing to remember is that these ideas and discussions that are taking place um, you've got to do it out with a, a safe environment if you want to call it that mm. um, you know the, these discussions need to be taking place everywhere with everybody mm. um, you know I'd encourage people to d discuss them and discuss your thoughts and your feelings and how you feel about the situation as well mm. you know even if it's just with you know like with friends family parents carers wh whatever it is or mm -hmm. you know your, your your bosses your managers your supervisors wh whatever it is that you're working in just have these sort of discussions and gauge mm. how people are feeling about it yeah. um, and like you said you can have that sort of collective feeling of mm -hmm. of maybe positivity or anxiousness or whatever it is and it's just nice and then it goes back to the sort of feeling of belonging and feeling that you're not alone in dealing with this as well mm -hmm. um, so I yeah. think that's really important absolutely no I completely agree with like everything you said there um I definitely think um it's easy when you're in a kind of echo chamber environment and everyone agrees with you and yeah. you're coming up with these ideas and it's it's great and I think that's an awesome environment to be conceptualizing and coming up with plans and maybe thinking of ways to change but you're right like if it if you all agree on it and then you go to the outside world and everyone has like practical things to be thinking about like finances or whatever it needs to be idea they need to be ideas that can be transferred to the real world and not just like you know things Definitely. that that you come up with in your own environmental circle so that is yeah, yeah that's it's, such it's, a good it's point. all we're playing a part in a, a much longer process and i think it's always important to be aware of that you know it, it's um you know it's a continuous process and it's got a lot of people involved and you come up with these ideas but they, they need to be real, realistic and it, it's almost if you look at how you know when people are coming up with policies or, or mm. ideas or changes or suggestions, you know, these things need to be debated and then they need to be voted and then, you know, things like that. So it is, it's, it's vitally important to remember, um, you know, you, like our, our roles and responsibilities and the, the things we have mm. to play with. Uh, but of course, you know, making sure that that discussion takes place at all steps in yeah. the process. Wow. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, okay, now, just obviously COVID-19 has drastically affected um, students all over the world, actually. But yeah, I'm wondering how COVID-19, if there is a way in which it's impacted student environmentalists in particular. I mean, of course, I'm, I, don't, I don't speak for everyone or on <laughs> behalf of everybody, um, but from... But what I can speak of from even just with my own student groups and from things, I mean, we've moved to, to online learning um, mm -hmm. and such like just now. And it's a lot of, um, you know, university continues as was in terms of, you know, our lectures and tutorials and such mm -hmm. like. But the human approach and the, the connectivity and collective feeling and such does seem to be a little bit lost because mm. um, it's harder to replicate that um, you know over a screen or over the phone and things but I think what it has helped with has shown that even when we're facing these such uncertain and unstable times mm. that people can still come together they can still communicate they can still share ideas we mm. can still come up with 
innovative approaches yeah. and that you know that the world you know the world's not on hold the world mm-hmm. hasn't stopped yeah. you know like okay what we're facing is is massive affecting everybody of course but things are still going on um, and it shows how we can adapt mm. to situations and to yeah. environments and, and such like and we can continue to have these conversations and these discussions even like what we're doing just now you know um so i think it, it's really important to remember that these things are still happening mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean things have changed of course uh but i think like what i was saying earlier about the sort of parallels between the climate crisis and and covid-19 pandemic mm. is the fact that you know people can change their behaviors when there's an understanding and a knowledge and a sense of urgency about these matters mm-hmm. uh, so i think there's been an, almost a sense of reassurance yeah. Um, and positivity that's perhaps come out of this in the strangest of ways there's there's not many positives to take from what's going on just now mm-hmm. or what's been going on for the past few months and yeah. a year um but the small things like that you know they're really important to hold on to mm-hmm. um and i think you know we can take these learnings with us as we as we hopefully um come out the the, the other side if if you will mm. um you know but i think it's important also that we we don't certain things we have in place don't just get disregarded i think you know the, there was a lot of talk about how the you know moving back to the normality that we had and you know people striving for the normality mm-hmm. that was you yeah. know you know 2019 say <laughs> but then there's a lot of looking at well the normality that we existed in then mm. you know uh, is that really what we want to go back to? Is mm. this not a good opportunity to maybe go to a new normality? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe have a new rethink. And we're going to be entering the the most horrific. You know, I mean, everything that's gone on, and 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 you know, loved ones lost, uh, and people mm. being really ill, and lifestyles changed, and mm. the economic recession we're going to be entering yeah. in is it, nothing like we'll ever have seen before. So maybe this is a chance to really sort of restart and rethink Mm -hmm. the process and how we begin things again. Mm. And, you know, especially with, you know, as as time goes on, it Mm. gets more and more urgent for dealing with the climate crisis. Yeah. And if we're at a steady now where we're needing new jobs, new industry, we need to change the way in which we're doing things, you know, really the sort of the, the moving, the renewable energy, pushing the side of things as well. I think there's an opportunity here um, that could be taken. It should we, we? I think COVID-19 has shown how things can be completely changed and mm-hmm. how we can work together to achieve those changes and achieve those goals and help each other. And I think we really, really need to take those lessons and that learning with us as we progress. Um, mm-hmm. So I think so. Yeah, I, there there has been some very small positives um, <laughs> that have came out of this, especially yeah. for you know environmentalists and, and students as a whole definitely I, I absolutely agree that this is an opportunity now for governments to act and change policies change the way we think about our economic system work towards a well-being economy more circular economy I don't know I think this absolutely. is this is actually an amazing opportunity to be investing in renewables starting all of that up properly and yeah I don't know I think this could actually this situation could could spark some amazing change in the way that we live. Let's hope so. Yeah, hopefully. 
Um, okay, now my last kind of question that I like to ask, it seems to be a pattern that I ask it on the podcast now. Could you describe your ideal world in 10 years time? Or could you tell me one policy that you would immediately implement if you were first minister for a day or whatever? What would be the one policy that you would just be that could make a big difference in your opinion? So either of those or both of those questions answer whatever you want. <laughs> wow. Okay. Massive. I know, um, <laughs> a bit idealistic, but we, we need that. Brilliant. Um, I think the key thing, of course, is to to be realistic. Mm. Um, definitely. But okay. ten years time, I mean, uh, who knows what ten years holds? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, we we've we've shown how how quickly things can change. Um, you know, things that we're not even aware of can just crop up all mm-hmm. of a sudden and uh, ch- change things completely. But I know that especially with with governments, when they're coming up with policies and targets, they like working in these 10 year frames and, (laughs) you know, these 20, 30 goals, 20, 40 goals, 20, 50 goals. And then backtracking on them and going, no, we need this sooner, (laughs) Uh, you know, and things like that, which is good. That's showing, you know, it's showing a a realization of the importance of this and Mm. a lot of what the, you know, the the activism that's taking place just now and and, and lobbying and things Mm. as well that people are realizing, gosh, no, this is more urgent than what this is we, we need to renew these things mm. um i mean as for one policy i mean who knows it's endless there's so many <laughs> things that could slash should be changed yeah um of course but I, I think going into describing the ideal world in 10 years time i would i would like to hope that um what we were discussing before about intersectionality mm. and the sort of togetherness and globalness and helping each other Mm-hmm. Um, especially as we've, we've seen with what's happening with COVID-19, that we take those lessons on board mm-hmm. uh, and help each other work together for common goals. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be you know, excellent to see um, that sort of international collaboration to deal yeah. because this is a, a global issue, a world problem mm-hmm. um, that we, we all have to help with. And, and going back to what you were saying earlier about sort of using, you know, having privilege, using privilege in those things. Mm-hmm. That's also for, for, for governments and things to use as well, mm-hmm. you know, and, and different, we're all at different stages of, of development and such like. And, and mm-hmm. so I think it's important that we all work together um, collectively to, achi- to achieve these goals. And, you know, like there, there's so many possibilities out there, but if, you know, we sort of look at this as a, a moment for green recovery and a, a restart process, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, some of these, what we're talking about, sort of the incremental versus radical changes, it'd be nice to think that in, in 10 years time, what maybe today we would consider a radical change mm. would in 10 years time be seen as an incremental change. Mm. I think that would be nice to see, you know, and that is so that we've, we've got to a point, we, we've learned from the experiences, we've got to a process that what we view as radical and incremental is different which has shown progress and the sort of willingness to adapt and change our behaviours mm. is already there okay. um, so that we can then change things more and more and more. Yeah. Um, you know, because there are opportunities and like you're saying, you know, bringing in the, the circular economy mm. and totally rethinking and restructuring the, the way we're doing things just now mm. or the way we contribute to systems just now. Um, but there's, there's absolutely the, the potential for sustainability really sustainability Mm. sustainable development Mm. 
and mm-hmm. um, to be at the heart of what we do mm-hmm. um, in the future and as we progress that is what needs to be there and that combined with um, you know the sort of intersectionality and sort of mm-hmm. global representation mm-hmm. um, would be we, we've got the you know that the power is in our hands um mm. it really really is and we there the potential is there and mm. i think at times that's part of the most frustrating part of these things you know we, we 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 have the ideas often we have the technology we have the innovation we have the people we have the willpower we mm. have the knowledge and it's just everyone coming together collectively yeah. sharing that knowledge and mm-hmm. just helping each other to, mm. to achieve this and, and sometimes putting maybe differences politics such like aside mm-hmm. and just working together um yeah. so i would love to see a, a much more um global connected helpful sustainable world um yeah. by by 10 years time i would i would really hope for wow no i love that and i completely agree if we're all on if we look at it like we're all on the same side here we all need yeah. to work together on this. Like, I think we could achieve so much more. So definitely. That's awesome. Wow. Thank you so much, you. And I feel like I've really learned a lot today, especially thinking about incremental versus radical changes. Like I hadn't really heard that terminology to okay. describe the, the way that we look at environmental changes. So that's really cool that's good to know about thank you so much for for doing this with me i've really enjoyed it um so thank you and for your your wonderful questions as well i love talking to you about this kind of thing and yeah the chance to share it with people is is really cool and hopefully some other people will learn a few bits and pieces from everything you've said today like i've definitely learned a lot so that was my chat with the wonderful Ewan Batty and I am feeling better informed but also quite hopeful after that conversation. Um, feel free to email me some feedback at climate.mary at gmail.com. Um, this has been Climate Emergency. Thank you for listening.